Welcome to the Journey to Eden podcast. I'm Jalasha Tubo. Each week, we'll be sharing personal stories or inspiring interviews to help guide you on the journey to your best life. Hi, Jala. Um, How are you I'm happy to be here. Thank you. I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Home. Like thinking of me or thinking I have the answers to this question. I don't know. <laughs> we, we both know you do. I do not. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. So today we're talking about building healthier parenting and romantic relationships because we know that there's been a lot of there's been a lot of dangerous narratives, you know, about you know, especially you know, for in Nigeria where we're from, about parenting yeah. and and uh, like romantic relationships, there are a lot of dangerous narratives that just end up making both parties very miserable. And so yeah. today we're just talking about, you know, this from our own perspective. We have to issue a disclaimer. Both of us are, you know, not parents yet. And we're not, I don't know, Shad, there might be in a relationship, but yeah. So basically we don't have any <laughs> expert opinion. <laughs> we're... We do not. <laughs> We're just distinct from our own point of view from things we've seen. So don't say we sent you anything we say here. We're just, you know, this is just a we're regular just, we're conversation. Just, we're just talking about uh-huh. how we're we just... think about stuff like this. Yeah, yes, so... we're just talking. So this is not expert opinion. This is just two people talking. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, we're free to say anything we want. <laughs> yeah, before they come and carry you. <laughs> <laughs> because I've issued the disclaimer now. So yeah. to jump right into it. Um yeah. today, what are some unhelpful parenting um and romantic experiences that you had? I mean, obviously you were raised in Nigeria and you have yeah. the average well, let me not say the average Nigerian parents because well, I don't know. So you you have Nigerian parents and you've dated Nigerian girls and you've been around Nigerian men, you know, and heard some of the yeah. things that they say. So I mean just give us like a brief rundown of some you know, let's start with romantic experiences right? and then we move to like parenting experiences. Ah. Uh, romantic experiences. Uh, let me see. Well, I think they are quite a number. Um, and I think some of them stem, well, personal experience, I would go with that and probably then expand to general um, thoughts and experiences. I think for me, it's, I've been lucky. But at the same time, there were things that I had to, that I had issues with, that I had to, like, either come against or, like, fight in one way or the other, or let go. So, um, I think one of them, for a guy, especially, like, a guy who really believes that people are not, um, how would I put it, a guy who believes that men and women are equal, Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. is the fact that a lot of women, even those who, some will come for me, I don't care, but <laughs> a lot of women at this point in time still believe that in one way or the other, that the guy is the leader, de facto leader. Um, and what I'm trying to say is even if you date a lady who believes in gender equality or who is feminist, it just might be that she still wants you to like take the lead on everything as far as the relationship is concerned. And it was interesting for me to find that out or to see that because I felt like, yo, 
you pretty much fight for everything to be equal equal and i'm not talking about equal in terms of money or stuff like that mm-hmm. it was just that even when it came to certain initiatives um showing affection and a whole lot of other stuff it was just assumed that you are the guy so it's automatic that you have to do this you have to be the one planning the dates you have to be the one you know just making everything happen and i understand where women like that are coming from in the sense of um, them being um probably it's just a romantic idea you know mm-hmm. but i also thought that it erased any room for guys who were not necessarily wired that way not because they were lazy or anything but because they just felt like you know not everyone wants to control stuff yeah yeah like you know have a of course they have a direction they are headed yeah and they expect that okay you two should walk that journey together even though you are individuals but they don't expect that ah madam because i'm the guy we have, we have to do this we have to do this i have to see you have, you know i have to always try to make you see my point of view or that kind of a thing you mm-hmm. get yeah. so i thought i found that very very problematic and i'm like if we are to make it we both people have to like um how would i put it both parties have to come to terms with their place in that relationship and the work they both have to do together to ensure that it tribes you yeah. know it's not it's not about saying it's 50 50 no like i said i mentioned it once to someone and i said that it's sometimes it's going to be 70 percent or 80 percent on the guy's part yeah. and 20 percent on the lady's part and then sometimes it's going to flip that it's yeah. really ever 50 50 that's you know both people yeah. so but it's very dynamic. so what i'm so what i'm hearing you say basically is that don't mm-hmm. assume that because somebody is of a particular gender in the relationship like there are some automatic things that they should be the ones to handle. Yeah. You know, I think I and you know, I think this is like a wide ranging topic because there are people who say that the woman is the better she has, you know, she's the better strategist, she's the better yeah. business person, she's the better manager of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's the better earner, you know, yeah. and automatically they are trying to force her into the box of this is how a woman should be, this is how a yeah. man should be. So what I hear you saying is that we need to drop those roles and look at the individual, the person, whoever the person you are partnering with is, and look at them and look at their strength, and then you complement their weaknesses. Exactly. Don't assume that because he's the man, he should do everything. You know, obviously yes. this is not a a reason for anybody to cop out and say, "No, oh, you are doing, you are the romantic one among us, so I'm not going to do anything." I mean, no. there are some areas that both of you have to pull your weight. But yeah. in other areas, you should study each other and know that this person is not as strong here. I'm mm-hmm. and it's okay. You know, there's no such thing as oh, that is man, that's the man's job. That's the man's job. It's okay for yeah. you both to complement each other. You know, wherever you know people are weak. So, I think that's amazing. Really, I think that's that's yeah. actually a point that we need to get to. So, I mean, continue. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it just even struck me now that I remember there was someone I was dating, and it so made sense that. I do not like going out. Yeah. Um, that's just me. Like, this quarantine came, lockdown, blah, blah, blah. I was just, I was chilling. I only went out once a week for fuel, for the generator. And I was in my house. And I wasn't bothered. Like, all of you expect me to lose my mind. And I did not lose my mind. 
And for two months, <laughs> I was just sitting down in my house alone, yeah. doing my job and then just eating, sleeping, which I love doing anyway. And, you know, just having a nice time. So you could imagine when you probably end up dating somebody who likes, who probably does not like going out, but wants both of you to go out together. Mm-hmm. And you do not get to think of anywhere else except maybe the cinema because you love movies. And I think that in such cases, in line with stuff we've discussed before, um, someone could be the one making suggestions mm. and just saying, ah, how about this place now? We should go check it out. Or how about this place now? What's up now? Let's go this, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Because someone might yeah. not be the one to always think about it, even though they are ready to like participate and then even do everything to make it happen. All they need yeah. is like maybe point me in the right direction and I'm going to go, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And yes, so secondly, <laughs> this this idea I hear, and it's it's one that we get to discuss a lot. It comes up every time where people say that if he if he likes you, will have your time. <laughs> Something around that those lines, like um you know i'm going to actually i'm trying to, i'm going to approach this from a very nuanced path it's very nuanced it's not either or it's not like so i expect people who are in relationships to communicate as yeah. frequently as possible yeah mm-hmm. and but i also think that both parties need to be sensitive to each other's communication styles and then moments where each person is available you get because i realized that when people just make that blanket statement and say that ah uh, you can't go 24 like this guy always has to call you you know it's fine even if he's not a calling person if you are dating somebody you are supposed to like of course find out how they uh, reach out to them in one way or the other like just keep a line of communication open yeah at the same time, because I've had insane experiences regarding this, I think I'm even better now. But some years ago, I, I would like literally forget to eat. I would like take lunch. I'll take lunch to work, get to the office, and then take that lunch home and eat it at dinner. Because. <laughs> <laughs> Because I just forgot it somewhere. And I was just like into the job and everything. And, you know, in those kind of situations, you hear somebody say that you did not call me all day. But I'm like, yo, <laughs> even food, there's a biological need. I forgot. Not like I forgot you, you get. But um, can we just, you know, if you, if I am going to, if you notice that this guy probably, gets to like talk to me most of the time in the evenings then maybe that's when you know he's in the mental space and he's just pretty much available to reach out to you you get and it doesn't mean that you can't reach out to me him either you know so so if you what if you like maybe text him during the day and then he replies even if it's not a phone call but I just realized that certain people leave the burden of communication on one other person simply because, you know, person has to show that he likes me. If 
<laughs> you know, he has to communicate if he likes me. You get that kind of a thing. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're actually communicate, communicating. I don't know if what I just said made sense. Well, I mean, it's a... It's two a support for me. Find time for each other too. It's a, two it's of you should find time for each other. Aha, see? Okay. So, <laughs> so, so it's a sore point for me because I think, I mean, I know you, so I know you're not using it as a cop-out. You know, just for me, so I know. I know that you're, you actually are the kind of person who would forget, you know, to even talk to your own self. So I, I believe that whoever is going to be in a relationship with you understand that and Know that you're not doing it on purpose. You get, yeah. yeah. And obviously, there'll be conversations to tell you, they you have to step up. Don't just keep saying, it's not my mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. But yours yeah. is not from a place of malice. But the thing no. is, some people, some men actually do it from a place of malice. And it's actually one of the major signs that the person is no longer interested in you. So if you continue to give somebody slack that he's not talking to me because, yeah, he's not talking to me because, you know, He's not in the mental space. If you continue to make that excuse for somebody, mm-hmm. it's just like what I'm saying is that I understand it. Like me myself, sometimes I feel like phone calls are very invasive. Do you understand? But yeah. I believe that I believe that love is about compromise. You know, yeah. so you 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 have to do some things that you're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. But this is where understanding comes in, and even just that you people pay attention to each other. But exactly. I believe, I actually really think that there obviously there'll be exceptions, but I think that making an, an attempt to communicate with mm-hmm. each other every day, obviously you're not going to talk to each other for one hour every day or, you know, 15 or, or you know, it's not going to yeah. always be, you know, a conversation of lovey-dovey soap opera mm-hmm. type, but at least some kind of conversation that, oh, I mean, send a message, oh, I had a rough day, I can't talk to you today, I'm sorry, yeah. like, I'm not really in a good place to talk. You know, and mm-hmm. because this person knows that it's not in your character to make excuses, they mm-hmm. give you, they'll, they'll cut you some slack. Do you understand? But, yeah, yeah. You know, we can't make as much as we can't make a blanket statement that oh, mm-hmm. you know, the the man has to be the one doing all the calling. We also have to understand that this is the way you show people that you care about them is that you keep in touch. Yeah. So yeah. if you are not, if somebody is constantly failing in that, you know, I've heard a lot of men say that well, if they ask her every day, but. To be honest, people who are serious, they end up calling each other even more than that. So obviously, communication <laughs> for different people is yeah, diff- is you know, it depends on the person you are with. But mm-hmm. you just have to understand each other, and nobody should just say, "I don't like it," so I'm not going to do it. Do you get what I'm saying? Because for me, that's because that's how you usually find out that a guy doesn't like you anymore. It's because he stops mm-hmm. talking to you. You know, so if you keep making that excuse for him, you just find yourself. You are in love with yeah. him, and he has moved on since. You are still there making excuses for him, basically. Mm-hmm. You know that's why I said it's like very nuanced. Like, yeah. you know, you have to know the person or be able to read the person because, if for instance, maybe from day one there's a particular pattern you guys have, mm-hmm. and then after a couple of months or years, that pattern changes, and you can't exactly point like reconcile that change to something that happened then you mm. know you, you you have every right to feel funny you get yeah but if you know like this person also like this is so so person even though and i i also like understand the importance and i will also stress it that you need to make an effort 
to always like if I noticed I noticed with certain women I've been with that um oh they just see I don't care if you call me at 10 p.m. or 8 a.m. in the morning but the barest minimum I'm asking regarding our communication when we are together is we must talk every day you get and mm-hmm. it means that if I if you don't even call me and I call you, pick up and give me the energy that I'm giving you. <laughs> okay. You, you get what I mean? So, yeah. I, so you know, I also, because there are people who would neither call you and then they will even ghost you. So even when you call them, they will not even pick up. And I think, <laughs> that, is, I think that is shitty behavior. So, even if you know that, okay, uh, maybe I've not been able to like settle down to call and everything, this call comes in, pick that call and, you know, just make the person feel good. And I'm not saying pretend, like, you know, genuinely be involved in that conversation and all that. If you are not, maybe you don't have the time at that particular point in time, excuse yourself, schedule, and then ensure that you make it up. You get Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Okay. Um, yes, finally, number three. That idea that somebody has to be a wizard <laughs> or a mind reader because I hear it all the time. Like people say, communicate, communicate, communicate. And a lot of people actually talk about communication without doing it. And it's the assumption that we think talking is just communication. Talking is a major part of it. But I also realized that a lot of people expect you to be able to read their minds simply because you love them. And What did you say? Simply because you love them. People expect okay. you to be able to read their minds. And yeah. you find that it is humanly impossible. Sometimes you meet some people who are very perceptive and they can you know, see changes in your mood, see changes in your attitude and stuff, and then be able to read you and say, ah, you're also cool, are you okay, blah, 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 blah. And there are some people, <laughs> and no, this is not me, <laughs> but there are some people <laughs> that are pretty much oblivious of anything until you open I your mouth that, and mention it. That's actually most men, to be honest. You get, and it's weird, because you now see people saying, He's not sensitive enough. He's not this. He's not that. And I'm like, wait, but all these things that you're saying, have you actually told him? And like, why am I supposed to tell him? He's supposed to know. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized two things. Closed mouths do not get fed. (laughs) And there's this thing about saying, there's something about expectations that I think I've messed up the quote in my head or something that says that... um, if you, I think unstated, unstated needs are not like don't correlate with expectations, something like that. Like basically, if you don't lay down your cards on the table and say, This is what I want, or this is how I'm feeling, they don't get upset when the other person does not deliver what you want because you've not told the person actually you get. Yeah. At the same time, I think that when you know when you mentioned when you probably 
um, stated your needs, like a particular need, over and over again, it tends to become annoying when the person doesn't pick up on it and then you keep having to like repeat that particular cycle. Because, of course, insanity is when you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different results. So that dynamic is also involved because if you keep like communicating something and you are clear about that thing you are communicating and nothing changes, then, you know, there's actually a problem. Mm. I mean, I totally get you about people and you know women are guilty of this expect and it's because we do it like we pick Mm -hmm. up you know a woman never just takes anything at face value we we pick up all sorts of vibes and and some of them are not even true but we tend to just want to to feel things out and just look beyond face value and so we expect jonathan and we expect and i really believe that you know, it's not fair. It's really not fair to expect the person to just know how you're feeling. Especially because mm-hmm. most men are clueless about this. Like, they just want you to be straightforward and just go straight to the point. Well, you know, that's why they always yeah. say that men and women are from a different planet and we just have to figure mm-hmm. out how to get along and not try to yeah. change each other. So I think that, I mean, it's a good attribute to have that once in a while you can just pick up that the person you are with is not happy and is not in the best place. But to be yeah. honest, it should, it should not be a requirement. You should not be a mind mm-hmm. reader. You know, people should be able to open up and say, something is wrong with me. I'm not feeling well. Something is up. I'm not just yeah. a bottle up. So, yeah, that's definitely a thing. But I don't know if that problem will ever be solved. I'm sorry. I can't promise you on behalf of you. People are lucky. I can't promise you that, to be honest. I can't yeah. promise you that we, we can ever change it. But, you know. <laughs> at least we're we're aware that's a problem. Everybody mm-hmm. knows. <laughs> yeah. So um so for me I think some I think we should we should just focus on yeah, romantic relationships first and then maybe at, after we're done we can now cycle back to parenting. Oh to cycle parenting, back to yeah. yeah so that we don't just mix things up. So yeah for me I think um I think it's especially because of you know the cultural position that men and women have been placed in mm. there's some very s- subtle messages that you know people pass and you know one of them is that the man is supposed to be if he's not making money he's not useful do you understand oh, like he's, he's like the yeah. atm i've legit heard somebody tell me that her husband is her atm and you mm. know what this happens what what this does in return is that the men now feel justified to treat women like property like like they're servants you understand like yeah. this whole thing of my wife has to wash my clothes i can't believe i still have that kind of strength in 2020 it is ridiculous it is such a ridiculous <laughs> like people are going to space and looking about inhab- inhabit mars and you're still random like washing machines cost less than 100 they're even washing machines that cost less than 50,000 yeah. i have i don't understand how we're still having that conversation but you know the, the way I found inner peace is to stop trying to make people believe what I believe. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not stressing and, them. So you can't. You know, There's their laundromats. Go there. <laughs> you know, I've heard I've heard a colleague, you know, in an office where I used to work, and they were having this conversation yeah. about hand washing clothes. You know, I've heard people who are educated, who are exposed. Like it's ridiculous. Like I don't buy okay, yeah, you have a master's degree from UK. Praise Jesus for you. But like 
Yeah. I want to hear what you're saying out of your mouth before I know if you were educated because it's not just mm-hmm. by having a certificate. No. And you know, somebody has had this conversation with me and they said, oh, if it, there's something that if you put in a washing machine, it will not be clean or the washing machine will spoil it. I said, what? Then I've heard somebody say that um, that if his, if his wife doesn't wash his clothes, that he's going to beat her up. I heard this what? with my own ears. With my own ears, it wasn't a rumor with my own ears. And that's how what? I knew that. Like this is, I know it. This is just people perpetuating old school mindsets of, you know, what a husband's role is and what a wife's role is. So they yeah. believe that because they're bringing home the bacon and paying the bills, mm-hmm. the, the wife is entitled to do her own part by basically slaving away. Do you understand? Yeah. And this is not an attack on you know domestic do, uh, domestic chores somebody has to do the chores do you understand mm-hmm. i don't buy that yeah. there has to be only one person but they're actually women who love cooking and they don't need yeah. they don't want people to help them and praise jesus for them i'm happy for them they are actually women who like cleaning i know people who love to wash do you understand so mm-hmm. this is not even attacking because somebody has to do all of that and i believe that in a, in a proper partnership you guys should share your chores it shouldn't mean yeah. that this is your your job unless you reach that agreement i mean everybody do what you want in your house but to mm-hmm. say that to try to relegate you know a woman or a man to say that a man is an atm meaning you know and yeah somebody i mean it helps for you to be making money and be contributing your own you know your own bit to the family's finances so i'm not saying be a bum and expect a woman to love you and suffer with you no but what i'm saying yeah. is that when you start seeing a person as just an atm machine it means that if the ATM, you know, goes to a rough patch and they forget to load the ATM or the ATM just, <laughs> you know, something happens, you know, because this is life. People go through yeah. challenges, people lose jobs, people's businesses fail, you know, and that's, yeah. what a part- that's the beauty of a partnership is that if your partner is struggling, you're able to carry, you know, that you're able to support. But if your yeah. idea of being in this union is that, you're supposed to be my ATM. And the ATM is not dispensing cash anymore. What happens? Out mm-hmm. the door, yes? So this is the problem. And also for women, you know, I don't like chores. I intend to make enough money to pay. And I, I really believe that they're a waste of my mental uh, uh, mental strength and that mental energy. And, and, and just, it's a waste of my time because yeah. I will be more useful to society if I make the money to pay somebody else to do those chores. Mm-hmm. I do not need to be washing clothes. To be honest, it's going to get to the point where cooking somebody else, somebody who can actually cook and make all of us happy. Because me, I'm just bare minimum survival <laughs> tactic cooking. Let us eat and not die. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, so don't God. expect any type Michelin <laughs> chef, no banga soup, no edica, no rice, no tea, mm-hmm. just rice and stew and the normal. <laughs> do you understand? So yeah. if all of us want to eat and eat well, it makes sense for us to pay. And we're employing somebody who's going to send his children. Do you understand? Like, I'm more useful to society that way than wanting to sweat in the kitchen. Only me paying, not paying anybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So this belief that there's only one way to be a man, you have to be the ATM. There's only one way to be a woman, you have to be washing clothes. Do you understand? Like, even yeah. this argument about, you know, if a woman can't cook, break up with her. You know, I believe that everybody should be able to cook, to be very honest. I believe that it's a, it's a life skill. Everybody should be able to cook. Because some, I mean, if you're going to build a family and you're going to have children, you have to eat somehow. Food mm-hmm. has to. It doesn't matter how you get the food. There has to be food. 
You yeah. understand? So if you people don't want to cook, at least make the money to pay somebody who will do the cooking, yes? Yeah. So, like, life is so much easier than, than all of this, you know. I, 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 you know, I heard somebody who was highly educated also. You know, this is why, like, I'm, I'm, I know that this is not just a thing of, oh, you're not illiterate, you're illiterate. This is people who should know better. Mm-hmm. And this guy actually said that, you know, um, a woman cooking is as important as them sharing the same faith and them being compatible sexually. Really? I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? It's just food. Yes, everybody loves the person who cooks for them. I mean, even me, I go to visit people because I know that I'm going to eat food day. Everybody <laughs> loves it. But like, it's really not that deep. There are things you can do. Do you understand? So this mindset of that make, you know, partnerships look so pedestrian as something that you can throw away because somebody's not washing clothes or somebody's not cooking. Yeah. I just find them very irritating, to be very honest. I find them very, you know, I just think that they're just, they, just, they just show misplaced priorities because what you should look for in a partner is way much more than who is doing laundry and who is... Obviously, everybody needs somebody who's helpful. And if you can't be helpful yourself, pay somebody to be helpful. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. That's a partnership. What are you bringing to the table? You have to bring something to the table. But the belief that if you can't be in... You can't fit this particular mold that society has created for you. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You know? Yeah. And the thing is, why this is such a tragedy is that we didn't create this mold. It's a mold that has been sent to, given to us from our grandparents. These are yeah. people who were what cavemen who mm-hmm. didn't have some of the amenities that we have, who didn't who were not as ambitious as we are, who didn't have you know, we're not living in the kind of world we're living in today. Yeah. Basically. They they didn't have the inflation, they didn't have I mean, if you look at the amount of money people are paying for school, yeah, they had different you know? challenges entirely. Yeah, you know, so trying to bring that uh, method and make it work now, it just it doesn't make any sense. So that's my mm-hmm. number one, you know, issue, you know, with these things. And then yeah. another thing is another, you know, issue that I have with uh, with uh, romantic life. I find very that I find very disconcerting is. You know, this idea that somebody, like, we're so separated. Like, oh, it's for me. I, I was on a radio show recently and somebody called in and said, uh, she says she's not going to follow me to my church. And I'm like, dude, why, there, are people why who are, there are people who are single who will snatch two of you from each other if you don't stop this nonsense. Because, like, I mean, if you, you knew about this person and they want to get married and now there's a concern of, oh, I marry her, she doesn't want to move to my church. Or, you know, somebody's from a different tribe. I had a friend who dated somebody from a different tribe for six years. Yeah. And then it's when they wanted to get married, their family was like, eh, she's from a different tribe. I'm like... Were you blind? Like, why did you let them waste their time? Do you, like, I don't understand. Like, what's this nonsense? <laughs> Do you get... Yeah. Like you knew, you were aware that he was dating this person for six whole years. And now you made them break up because, I mean, you also know another thing, of course, is that the family is so, we're so involved in our families that it's just sometimes easier to just do what they want so that you won't put unnecessary stress on the other person. I mean, yeah. obviously, I don't support that because I think you're the one who's going to be with this person. So you mm-hmm. should make your own decisions. But the pressure sometimes, I mean, marriage already comes to some pressure. We're going to add your family not liking you now. It's another, you know, it's a different thing entirely. And so, like, these um, unnecessary, you know, uh, um, discrimination uh, from a different church, 
from a different tribe, from a different... And it comes to the point where it just looks like your life has to just follow these rules that make no sense. Yeah. To be very honest, because all these biases on this tribe is exactly like this. It's such a small-minded belief because how many people from this tribe have you really met? Yep. How many? How many people have you met from this tribe? How many? Do you know? Do you get? So it's it's just this belief that, oh, I already, you already summed up all the people from this church, all the mm-hmm. people from this tribe. And so basically what you're even doing is limiting your own pool of choice. You are, you are limiting your pool of choices, one. Yeah. And you're just carrying this restrictive, like, I think my biggest issue, you know, with how we, how most people approach relationships is just how restricted. So by the time you've crafted this person who, my tribe, my church, my, it's such a small and narrow expectation do you understand and i mean obviously everybody's entitled to what they want but my problem really is when you now expect other people to fit these ideals that you've created when you see other people who are doing things differently you know ah omoibu you want to marry omoibu like what's wrong with you do you understand like (laughs) if choose choose your own part and face it nobody's arguing you do anything you want but don't now act like you are the the alpha and omega of relationships and make no. everybody else, you know, do what you... And I think that's the biggest issue with a lot of movements and a lot of uh, um, arrangements and belief systems is that the people who have chosen them don't want to just stay on their lane. They want to force other people. And if you don't follow exactly. them... If you don't, you are, it's a problem. You are the devil's spawn. Do you understand? Yeah. So, so I think those are my own two major, you know, major issues with regards to relationships is that all these unnecessary unnecessary discrimination, unnecessary stress. Because I really find it to be very stressful that, you know, you, you, if you don't cook, you are not good enough to be a wife. I'm, I'm like, what? Like, there's so much more a person can bring to the table than food. Mm-hmm. Like, and I said, none of this is supposed to be a cop-out. But I'm just saying, like, what if I was brought up in a family where my parents didn't expect me to cook? That just suddenly means that. Or... You it's simply hate cooking. Even oh, you if simply you hate cooking, to be very honest. <laughs> even or even if you can cook, you just hate it. Yeah, yeah, to be very honest, you know. So I think we have to start getting to a point where, you know, maybe in the days of, you know, our forefathers, sorry to sound so Nollywood, but maybe in those days, you know, cooking was one of the selling points, you know, that, yeah. that had to be. Funny thing, I know somebody recently who, sta- who was dating this girl and he he she came to his house and she saw... Um, that he had made, he had bought soup, and she started making a fuss. You know, who who brought soup to my house? He has not even, he has not even married the girl. Who brought yeah. soup to my house? And wow. I, was like, I, I bought a bowl of soup. I don't like cakes. I don't like external food. <laughs> I was really? like, please, you even make me happy. Go and buy. Let me just make a bar. Buy it. Let's eat this together. Let me use my brain for. What to make me money? Do you get? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, um... I don't, <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> it. It's weird. It's very, it's very weird. I think someone. I think I've heard of something like that before as well, and it just drives me crazy that these are things that are services other people provide, and if you don't have time to do it, then outsource it. Like um, a whole lot of stuff that we do can be also now it's because Nigerians still do not understand the fact that time is it's equal money. to money. 
It's more than we money. Don't, you can't get it. More. It's you can't get money back. You can't get time you know, back. Like, time is so important. Like, it, I would literally do a whole lot of stuff. I would literally, like, pay for some things to be done if it would get me just two yeah. hours to go sleep. sleep you know, I was staying with... I was staying with uh, some family members at some point and they kept yeah. gossiping. They kept gossiping about me because I never used to wash my clothes. I stopped washing my clothes in uni because I can't just imagine investing that amount of time. I, f- I think it's a waste of time. Yeah. It's, such a, it's such a waste. Even before, you know, the whole washing machine revolution, <laughs> when it was still hand washing, I'd pay somebody, like, how much max? 5,000 naira. Then yeah. I need somebody to wash my clothes once a month. And it will save me all that time sitting down, stressing. I'll go blisters on my hands. Like, Why? You know, this person will take this money, go and feed her children. I'm like, I beg. <laughs> so I was like, this is not a, it's not a matter of pride. They make it look like, oh, yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud because I'm releasing 5,000 naira. How much is it that? Is- <laughs> It is incredibly funny. I I think people just really just need to open their minds. But again, I mean, we can't force them. Also, we're just talking our own. We're just talking our own. If you want to continue, of course, no. Good luck. (laughs) Good luck. luck. Yeah. So I mean, so okay, you're listening. So I was going to ask. So I mean, now that we've identified the problems, how do you think we can do better? You know, I mean, we're both Nigerian, so I mean, we're speaking from this perspective. How do you think we can do better to be better partners? You know, like we said, we can't use. I mean, our parents did the best they knew at that time. We know better. We know yeah. that there are things that need to change. We cannot approach women as their their job is just to cook and clean and take care of the children yeah. alone. And we can't approach men as if you know there are these blocks of wood who just vomit yeah. money and have no feelings and do not need any support and are not allowed any emotion. Basically, so mm-hmm. what should we do differently? Um, I think one of the best things we can do is to learn from the things that did not work or that are problematic. Basically, pick from the look at look at the past, pick the best bits out of it, and let go of the ones that did not work. And I am going to refer to I'm going to refer to my parents in this case because a whole lot of how a partnership should be, even if even when they had their own wala, and my dad can be as traditional in some cases, and then as liberal in other cases, I decided to just pick the liberal aspects of him, and then just let go of the traditional, traditional, like women should be this, women should be that. And it's all down to, I, I, I realized that master-servant relationships do not necessarily work. Mm. They can they can exist for a long time, but I don't know. There's just something off about it compared to partnerships, like actual partnerships. And this this was because I saw I saw my dad go through phases of highs and lows. Um, there were times when the business was fine and he had a whole lot of jobs to do, and then money was rolling in, blah blah blah. And there were times when it was terrible and my mom had to step in even at that my dad pretty much retired before my mom yeah and it meant that yeah so he retired before my mom and my younger brother was still in school so even my younger sister at some point probably she was a final year or so 
So, you know, someone had to pull through. So mm. if, for instance, my mom had been relegated, like she couldn't have a job, she couldn't do anything, I can't imagine how much it would have stressed us, one, yeah. as well as my dad. And I realized something as well. A whole lot of men tie their sense of value to how much they make and how many people they can help out financially. And it shouldn't mm. be like... If I'm not making money, I'm useless as a man. That's pretty much it. That's that's the mentality for men. And these are things that we need to, you know, fight against, do away from. Of course, we all want to be useful. I want to be useful. I can't imagine myself not having a job. I'll lose my mind. Like, I will work for free. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm telling you, like, not being, being useful is, like, one of the, is like, my number one purpose even before money, because I know, of course, if you are useful, it usually translates, you get its value. So, but for couples, I, I just think that, and this is not about being woke or anything. It's just about looking, identifying the best of people. Like you see a woman who has a journey, who is going on a journey of her own, and then you want to share that life with her, but you expect her to become less of herself you know, while you, you run the show. And it also goes for the other way around. I think it's important for people, um, both men and women, to understand that each person is an individual with a unique journey. Yeah? And yeah. when you come together, it does not mean that you should both sacrifice these journeys. You should either, like, you know, just come together and then build something beautiful out of it and this also means that this woman who has been probably living life okay it's jola who hasn't washed since uni for instance and you suddenly marry her and you expect her to start washing clothes <laughs> like it's a good thing um, i always say i always say it from the beginning she didn't do it then why would she want to do it now you get yeah. what i mean it's the same you know, thing it's still yeah, part of this cultural dimension. Yes. I am the man, so I'm going to make you do it. So you look at somebody who is, she has made it very clear that this is what I want. You pretend to be what, in alignment with what she wants. You now marry her, you now decide that you want to make her the opposite. Mm-hmm. So sorry to interrupt you, continue with your point. No, 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 it's, <laughs> it's fine. You both need to, I think people, people need to first and foremost see each other as people before the I'm a man, I'm a woman whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, there are tons of things that guys say that I just cannot relate to. Because, well, maybe I was raised different and stuff, but I just could not relate to them. I'm like, I I have, I have a dad who will go and watch plates because he's bored. Mm. Like, he's just, maybe he's just, and my dad is restless. He will just pace around the house, like, and then, <sighs> you just see me in the kitchen watching plates. <laughs> I do too. Like, what I, mean, I, I, I think like, I agree that. Like, I'm not doing anything. So. Yeah, I think I you agree know? that upbringing really matters. Cause yeah. I saw my own dad. If my dad was going to come home late, he wouldn't expect anybody to wait for him and give him food. He would just come home and drink. Guy, not. He would not stress anybody. You know, so I think actually our upbringing really makes you know. It does. It does. If if a person comes from a home where you know. His mother has to be woken up by 2 a.m. to serve you know, his father food. And 
where his mother I mean I had a I know somebody who was in my secondary school whose mother had to pound the arm at six AM every morning. My wow. mother told my father that please I cannot come and break my back. I'm not pounding him for you. I need you face to front. <laughs> you know, you, 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 it's 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 interesting because I remember now that there are days when my, I think even if my dad doesn't cook, which he can, and which he does when he's the only one around, but even when my mom goes to work and before she's back, you probably would have bought meat, boiled it and everything, and say, okay, yo. You're coming no more, buy pepper and grind it and just come and <laughs> you know, something like that. That's like amazing, I see yeah. it a whole lot of the time. And I think that well, one of the first things we need to do is to one, be better examples for people. Yeah. Those of us that have learned good things from our parents, we have a responsibility to impart them into our kids. One. And then even for people who are not our kids, those that are friends, those that are in our like uh, what's it called, circle of influence, there's a lot that talking about our experiences does. It's why most of them always like just posting something on my status. Like some people will come and say, eh, but and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Me, yeah, I'm just telling my story. Or if you you know, you could either agree or disagree with it. But in sharing our experiences, people begin to see that there is so much more outside our outside what they thought. And if people have sense, they can decide on okay, let me learn from this person or let me pick from this thing. If you get what I mean, like yeah, not everybody was born like I knew people who had to fight more and then had to like really struggle to determine. Or to like carve a path out for um, for themselves outside of the one they've been brought up in and used to, and there yeah. were some of us that you know we had it a lot more easy. I had liberal parents or fairly liberal parents, so it was yeah. easy for me to. And now they created a monster because when they talk, <laughs> we now just... look at them as the conservative people, and they are like, "You people did not used to hear what we are saying." And I'm like, "You got <laughs> You have a mind of your own as well, so you know." Yeah. That's so basically, I, I what you're yeah, saying yeah. is, those thank God for those of us who have the right, you know, mindset. And I mean, even we still have so much to learn and outgrow. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. I mean, what you said about gender roles, I know that I'm guilty of that. There's still some things that I'm like, yeah, that's the man's job. That's the man's job. And yeah. you know, and this is also because of the belief of when you've been around a lot of uh, men who don't know the right thing to do, and you see that they're taking you for granted. You get, yeah. like I'm very nice. Like, I recently no. did a series on ghosting. And the first thing that comes oh, to yeah, mind is, is he okay? Jonas, like, I'm not, I'm not, really, I'm, the first thing that comes to my mind is, hope he did not have an accident. Hope he did not die. Hope he's mm-hmm. not sick. Do you understand? Like, listen, somebody, uh, a friend also, he liked me, but, you know, I moved on because he wasn't serious. And okay. we had a conversation, like, I was, he, he's in the States and I was checking in on him. Um mm-hmm because of, you know, coronavirus and he's an essential worker. So, I mean, yeah. we were talking every day. And then, so I sent him a message one day and he didn't answer. And I was like, I mean, you know, we're supposed to be talking every day, yada, yada, yada. You know, if you don't respond, I'm not, I'm going to stop talking to you. Like, I was just kidding. I mean, it's a joke. Everybody knows it's a joke. Yeah. That's how I just saw that his messages stopped delivering. Wonderful. And I didn't want to believe that he had blocked me. Why would you block me? Because I said, I'm not talking, like, I was the one who has literally been checking on you and, you know, being like just encouraging you. Yeah. So, because I made a joke about, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. 
you know, I got to the point where I almost told one of my other friends to call him just to be sure that, like, I'm not crazy because I don't, I'm still thinking of, I'm a human being and I want to give him benefit of doubt and just make sure mm-hmm. that, you know, he's okay. But I just realized that, you know, I do this all the time. I make all these excuses for these people and it turns out that yeah. nothing's wrong with them. They're just being bozos. So, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, like, so, yeah, so, like, legit right about that. I don't so, know. I think. <laughs> Yeah, go so, ahead. I mean, it's, it's good. It's good that we have, you know, those of us who have good foundations. There's still a lot to unlearn. There's still a lot to, yeah. you know, like we, you still need to, uh, you know, ch- raise yourself and train yourself. And also, it still depends mm-hmm. on the person that you are with. You know, you still have to adjust here and there, basically. So I think yeah. it's just con- constant growth and the willingness to be flexible. Those, this is how I am. Take me like that, you know, Mm-mm. and move on. And then I think also for those who didn't have the best foundation. There's something they call reparenting. You know, I read this in a book. Thank you. Where your parents did not meet up to the mark. You are a grown person now. Don't just be saying, my daddy, mm-hmm. you know, this is how my daddy did it. This is how my mommy did it. Daddy and mommy are no good. They got things wrong. So when you see that this is what they got wrong, you look at those things and decide that, do I want the results my father and my mother have? No. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to end up that way. So decide on how you're going to make things better. There are so many ways now to reparent yourself. Read books, get new information, and just do better, basically. Yep. I think, that, I think, that's, pretty, I think that's pretty important. Um, yeah. And yes, God, I will not forget this. We've talked about a whole lot of stuff, but we've not talked about how people fight. Mm. And I'm talking okay. about fights in general context of arguments and disagreements in relationships. Okay. A whole lot of people would think that best relationships don't have arguments. No. no every every relationship has arguments. Exactly. And I over time I got to realize that it's not exactly whether why you are fighting that matters, but how you fight. Yeah. So yeah. if either one of you leaves that particular argument feeling bitter, feeling bad, feeling hurt, you know, you are you still have an issue that you've not dealt with or resolved. You know, I and it, it reminds me of it reminds me of and I, I think I didn't even learn this. I didn't learn this until I think my last relationship. Where I'm having over and over again, you know, you just realize that I just have an argument with this person and I still feel very, very angry and upset. You know? And before you know it, you begin to feel resentful. And then I had other experiences where I'm actually arguing with this person. This person is pretty upset, but you end conversations with, I love you. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Even if you're upset, like you say it, and the person, whether the person is still like you know, still feeling very stronger and everything, the person still says, yeah, "I love you too," you know, like there's no way you will say that eh, and you know leave that conversation feeling bitter, because somehow, mm-hmm. somehow you know that this argument we've had, eh, it's because we both care about each other, we are looking out for the good of one another, not the ones where you say stuff that. Um, very, you know, you say very harsh things and then that you will not be able to take back, you know. And mm. also, when people argue and they make it about the other person and not exactly about how they feel, 
you know, so instead of saying that um, I'm upset because I expected this to be done and it wasn't done, it becomes you don't care about me <laughs> <laughs> or you a wicked person. You know, that wicked person might simply be I told you I wasn't feeling well, blah, 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 blah. And I expected that maybe after work, you come home to check on me and something, something, something. And you did not. I, it would have been nice if you did and you didn't. And so I feel like I'm not being cared for. You get. But when you label the person a wicked person, person automatically defensive. You can't go anywhere after that because person is just out to prove that I am not a wicked person. It's not about, you know, simply if you had said what I just said, about coming home to check on me and stuff and whatever, whatever. Personally, I feel like, ah, sorry, you, you know, I was busy, but no vex. You get that kind of a thing. But simply, the moment you say, you don't care, you're a wicked person. <laughs> the person wants to prove that point that I'm not wicked. And then you keep arguing back and forth, back and forth. At the end of the day, something dark has, you know, manifested and if you are not careful, if you keep building on top of that, you know, bitterness, you won't last. You mm-hmm. get what I mean? So it's like I mean, when, I mean, you, when you fight with someone, it's just like when your parents discipline you and then, you know, they tell you, oh, this is what you did wrong. I'm actually going, I'm still going to flog you, but this is what you did wrong and I hope you won't do it again, blah, 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 blah. Rather than the ones where you just pick in and just flog you, bass goes, bass goes, and then you don't know what is going on, you get. Carry on. Mm. I mean, I totally agree with you because I feel like uh, conflict resolution skills are not, you know, I don't know if it's a cultural thing where because we're not allowed to disagree. So people don't grow up with healthy, you know, conflict. I I know I have it because, uh, so I've noticed that in my last um, three jobs, there were some major, when major things happened that were, well, uh, yeah, my last three, I think it was. Uh-huh. when there was a conflict, like, I didn't handle it. And when eventually came to the fore that I couldn't take it anymore, I just shut down, bam. And mm. There was no way forward. You get one, of those, one of those jobs, I, I legit sent an email that, this is the end of the journey. <laughs> like, I'm not coming back. Wow. I didn't even give notice. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm a, I studied law, so I, I had a legal backing for, because, I mean, if you force a person to work, it's basically a, you know, a slave labor or something. Yeah. Unless once I drop that on the table, nobody's going to make me do. So, but, you know, when it happened again, I mean, the last time, this the third time it happened, I I mean, they said that if one person calls you a donkey, you know, you can't be angry. But if five people call you a donkey, then you should go and buy a shadow. So, obviously, <laughs> I started to see that. Yeah, because I, I really believe in looking at a situation and see what, how did I contribute to this and how can I fix yeah. it? Because if I keep saying they were toxic, they were evil, they are the devil, mm. I don't improve, I don't change, and it means yeah. that I can repeat this thing, this problem again. So I just start yeah. and ask myself, how did I contribute to this? Obviously, the people in the arrangements were not treating me the right way because I know what it's like to be treated the right way. And since I'm not possessed, somebody cannot be treating me the right way and I'll act out. Do you understand? Yeah. So... But I sat down and asked myself that, how could I have handled this better? And, you know, I realized that, number one, I need to work on my conflict resolution skills. Because what was happening was people were offending me. And I'm an avoider. I hate confrontation. Oh, good Lord. My problem. I, I hate confrontation. <laughs> and it's not... Because what happens is eventually that issue will come to the fore. And it will come to the fore in an unhealthy way. So if you don't deal yeah. with it, 
in the right way, you're not getting rid of it. You're not avoiding it. It's going to come back, you know, and bite you. And it's going to bite you like a lion instead of like a, a cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, you know, that was the first thing. So, I've, I'm, you know, I've gotten books on conflict resolution that I'm going to read to improve because, I mean, I plan to get married. I plan to run a company. And yeah. if you don't know how to resolve conflict, you're you are not going to have the best relationship. And it doesn't matter how good a person you are. You're going to hurt people. You're going to get hurt yourself. You know, so this yeah. is what we're saying about look for areas of improvement. And then also, I also realized that I didn't have an exit plan for this situation that I was getting into. Mm. And when it was time to leave, you know, I always believe that because I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm very into, I'm very, uh, I believe that being spiritual is very important because I believe that yeah. life is spiritual. And you need to listen to yourself, listen to your heart, your soul. You know, this is our internal guide. This is what's telling us, is it okay? I, am I okay where I am? Is it time to move mm-hmm. on? What should I do? Do you understand? And, you know, I've heard Oprah say once that life starts with a whisper. When it's time for you to make changes, it starts whispering, first of all. Yeah. If you don't listen to that whisper, it's getting a little louder. Then you start shouting. Then eventually it's going to knock you upside the head. And that's how you get to a point where you are losing your job. You are, because you weren't listening and it was time for you to move on. Do you understand? And if yeah. you've committed yourself to the course of the universe, if you've said, I want to live a life that is unique to me, you're already in the flow. You can't fight it. Like if somebody that is determined to be miserable, I mean, I don't think the universe will bother with that person. They'll just free the person to do whatever the person wants. But mm-hmm. if you've committed yourself to, I'm moving forward, growing, becoming a better self, want to live a full life, you have already got into the flow and that flow will push you whether I like it or not. So which is why, if you're supposed to quit a job and you refused, eventually you might get fired. Like get fired. This yeah. So another thing I noticed was that I knew when these situations were up, when it was time to move, but I wasn't moving. Mm. And so because I refused to move when it was time to move, I moved in a way that wasn't ideal. So if yeah. I had moved when I knew, you know, you always know that it starts to ring in your head. Somehow, you know, somehow. Somebody like somebody like me, I I cannot work a job where I'm just there for the money. I can't. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't make any sense to me i have Same. to be getting some kind of it needs to be for the greater good or at least make me feel good something yeah. more than money has to be happened so the minute i start working just for money and i cannot associate myself with what you are doing i'm ashamed to say this what I, then I, I know it's time to you know but on all these situations i was getting these you know these um promptings but i was ignoring them and that's how things just wrap so now i have obviously going to make better decisions because i know that one i need to work on my conflict resolution skills because mm-hmm. i can't avoid conflict i need to fix it so that i don't keep blowing up at people and then say sorry and then the situation is just messed up unnecessarily number yeah. two as soon as i'm getting into an arrangement if it's a contract if it's a job i'm preparing that how do I, when i know what's what are the signs that are going to make me know what am i going to do once i know that it's time to move on from this because i know now that if i don't move on when i'm supposed to move on i'll move on in a bad way and i don't yeah. want that to happen so I think basically, you know, we have to learn you know, and just look at our weakness because, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just human beings. And this is why you shouldn't go into a relationship expecting the other person to make you happy. I think that's another thing that I forgot to mention is... God, yes. yes. Don't. You know, I used to be that way before, but, you know, when I dealt with depression and I just realized, it just really woke me up to the fact that you have to be everything for yourself. Maybe not a hundred percent because we're always going to need each other do you understand so mm-hmm. you can't give yourself everything hundred percent but you need to be able to have self-sustaining joy self-sustaining motivation you need yeah. to be able to go it alone because truly truly we are actually alone 
people can help you, but they can't really feel your pain. They can't carry your burden. And it's unfair to decide that I'm going to just marry this person and they are going to make me happy. Like, they have the weight of their own existence to carry. They cannot add you. 100% mm-hmm. of you. Like, it's okay if they can help you. You pick them up today. You pick them up tomorrow. And I also read this from you know, Michelle Obama's book. And you think, as somebody who's very secure, she can't have this problem. But she talked about when they got married, Barack was moving on with his life, doing everything he wanted, enjoying his life. Yeah. He was even working out. Meanwhile, they had kids and she just seemed to never be able to work out. She was eating unhealthy. And she was hating him. That was wrong with this one. How can this one be going to the gym? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And so they went to counseling and she went there with the mindset of fix him, fix him. He's the one doing the wrong thing. But like when she left, she what she took out of it was that she was responsible for her own happiness. Do you understand? So yeah. I think this belief that once I'm dating somebody or married somebody, I can dump the weight of my sorrows on the person. Like no, it's too much. It's I cannot even carry the weight of my own sorrows. I can't like add your own. Do you understand? <laughs> so, so yeah, so I think uh, conflict resolution, just as you were saying, sorry, I've I've gone on the whole tangent. No, but, it's actually fine. Yeah, conflict <laughs> because I think people, and this is this comes from uh, soap operas and romance novels. They do that oh, perfect match, the stars are aligned. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Once stars are aligned, you can never fight. You just love each other. You are, you know. So this belief that once you are right for each other, everything is just going to naturally get into you know the yeah. right flow is wrong belief. Uh, even couples who love each other fight, you know, and it's because people don't tell the truth about these things. I think that's one of my issues about the way that marriage is is treated in our culture is that people just act like it's this Eldorado that everybody should aim forward mm-hmm. for, you know, and marriage is beautiful. I want that for myself, but I feel like I've been reading up a lot about it. Cause I mean, I know that the, you know, fear thrives on ignorance because to be honest, there are some things to be afraid about, you know, about marriage. When you look at the statistics, when you look at what other people are going through, you think of the fact that almost everybody who's married is telling you, don't rush, don't rush. I'm like, what's wrong? Don't love you. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so and I know that once you get information, it generally helps you with fear. Yeah, and you know, I'm just saying that this is something that if instead of just rushing people to go there, you should be preparing them for what's going to happen. Like yeah. basically, from from just a little studying I've done, I've realized that the number one way to a successful marriage is to be ready to put the other person first. That's not mm-hmm. what we're taught. What I thought is that good day, my husband is, you know, is doing everything for me. He's the G, he's the everything. Do you understand? Yeah. Or, yeah. like, you're not told that you go there to, it's basically service. You're basically going there to love the other person and trust that because you're loving them, they're going to love you back. How many mm-hmm. people actually go into that marriage with that mindset of, I'm going to put this person first? Yeah. Do you understand? Like, it, it's, if we were doing that, I mean, people's uh, partnerships and marriages would be so much better because. I mean, if somebody's putting you first and I'm putting that person first, like, what wants to cause... What, what else are you looking for? Do you understand? For? Yeah. So, I feel like, like, this is another thing, is that people need to be prepared for the fact that nobody else can make your life, you know, paradise. You have to, you have to bring the bulk of that, you know, paradise recipe to the table. And the yeah. other person contributes that little to here and there. You, you are the owner of the cake. The other person just adds icing for you to make it fine. Mm. <laughs> but the bulk of mm. the job is mm-hmm. yours. Mm-hmm. Basically, that's yeah. it. The bulk of the job is yours. It's okay. It's actually, it's actually a bonus. Yeah, it is. It is actually. It is. So I think we should uh, go to parenting quickly because I mean we're we're just enjoying ourselves way too much. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, what would you what would you say are some like unhelpful 
parenting um, tactics that you've seen, you know, especially as a, as a Nigerian child? What, have, what are some things that you've seen? And I think straight, straight up, just tell us any, you know, any trauma that you had or insecurity that you had connected to that. Like things that you still see in your life today that I know that it's because of whether you were being flogged or, you know, people were just okay. saying the wrong things to you, basically. Okay, well, I think that for me, it was, for a long time, I pretty much thought I couldn't do anything right. Because I was, one, I was pretty shy, I was quiet, and it turned out that my dad is of a totally different temperament. So he expected, you know, you know the way he says, and you know you're back for they'll say, oh, sharp. <laughs> 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 so he says like I'm not sharp and I'm like he knows I'm as smart as anything like I was acing it in school and everything but I just never seemed to be you know the kind of kid that you see all over the place and all that and whenever I got to offend him I think it was the things my dad my dad could be very as nice as he is it could be very uncontrolled with his statements and unfortunately for me well i guess maybe that's why i became a writer last last was i fixed <laughs> it i fixed it i fixed it on words mm. like i fix it see what you do sometimes i don't care but what you say like i hold on to like it just almost as i hold on to it Especially when I know maybe you say stuff in moments of anger. In fact, regardless of whenever you say it, except I know it's a joke. I never forget what people say. Mm. So it just, you know, those things just kept building or building. And all of a sudden, somehow I coincided with the point where I was doing badly in school. Not because I was, you know, bad, but I just lost interest. So it took a while for me to get back to that point where I, you know, was confident enough to know that, guy, you actually know what you are doing, you know. It took a whole lot of effort to get there. And it was simply because of this, you know, uh, forget the beatings, the statements and everything. But I'm happy I'm at that point now. I'm happy I'm, like, I'm pretty much in a good place now regarding parental trauma and everything. <laughs> and all that. I just I found that... About... It wasn't just beating. It was also statements. Yeah, I think yeah, words are very, they're very powerful. You know, for the longest time, yeah, parents usually forget that children have feelings. No, because because the Nigerian culture does not treat children like they're supposed to have feelings. They actually they're supposed to be trained. They're supposed to be trained to come out right. Anyhow, that is done. Nobody cares. As long Mm -hmm. as I know, when I really sat down to think about it. I just realized that it's all coming from a place of fear. And anything that you are doing yeah. out of fear cannot be done right. Because nope. think about it. Every time you hear the conversation that they are hearing is, ah, don't disgrace me. Don't let yeah. them see that we don't have home training. Don't disgrace mm-hmm. me. Don't become a... Forget, don't forget the child of whom you are. Mm-hmm. It's not really about you. It's about their reputation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they're just trying to thing. make sure that you don't step out of line. And they don't care whatever internal turmoil you have that's not no you know you're on your own and to be honest i mean i think for me for me um i understand what you said about words because i'm also very sensitive 
that's something I'm working on as well, is that once you say something, like, I have a way of, I can think about it for four days. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I just wish that I can, because they always say, oh, meditate on the right things. I wish I could meditate on the right things the way I meditate on the bad ones, because <laughs> I would turn and toss it over in my head. For Like, you I just know? recently started learning how to cut the, because it's a very dangerous cycle, and you can find yeah. yourself, you know, in a whole pit of despair if you continue. So I found a way to just interrupt it. But, you know, I also know that there are, like a lot of words, like I remember when I was young, you know, and and my mom, I, you know, like I forgive her for it because she didn't know any better. You get, yeah. Like that's another point you have to get to that no matter how much you identify that, oh, my parents did, uh, spoke to me this way or did this to me and I can trace this traumatic. You have to realize that they did the best they know how. And even if they were yes. malicious, forgiving them is i mean you have to forgive them and just decide that you're going to do better basically mm-hmm. so you know my mom made this comment and i was young but that's where like children can remember these things from like that's why you can't even slip up you know and she made a comment of because my younger brother was born like he was a bit you know far from he was a bit um this difference between me and him in, in years was a lot oh okay and my mom is the last born and she was pampered because she's the last born so she just assumed that that's a natural thing. Like, last born are supposed to be the favorite child. Like, also. Yeah. And she would constantly say that, yeah, she likes him more than all of us. That like, hey, what's this? <laughs> You'd say it out loud to us. That, yeah, he's her favorite. She likes him <laughs> more than us. And she would act that way. And it just wow. made me feel, you know, deal with a lot of inferiority complex and just... And I got into this performance mindset. Like... Mm-hmm. When a person likes me or, you know, or, or gives to me, I'm constantly trying to pay them back because I feel mm-hmm. like I owe There's something that I, like, I don't deserve for you to do this thing for me just like that. Like, I need to give back, do you understand? And it's a very dangerous place to be because, to be honest, you have to be ready to receive from people. Like, in a relationship, you won't always be. Like, you just receive things from somebody just because they love you. It doesn't always yeah. have to be a quid, quid pro quo type exactly. thing. Exactly. You know? so, I mean, so that's one experience that I had is that, you know, after she said that, and then she also said one time that, uh, that if she had to pick between her husband and her kids, she would pick her, her husband, you. <laughs> that oh, was oh, her oh, own oh. thought. <laughs> 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 and my mom was on the roll. When I told that, she was she couldn't even believe it. But, you know, wow. I just, I, you know, one thing I really appreciate about her is that she has unlearned a lot of those things. Like, she mm. has been reading a lot of books about parenting. So, when we started to grow older, she started to handle things differently. Like back then, it used to be, I'm the Lord and Master, I'm your owner. But now, yeah. she doesn't even, I mean, the funniest thing happened one time where my, bro- my brother was using spirit or some kind of uh, mental type thing, you know, in his room. And he had a very strong smell. Okay. And so, apparently my mom was smelling, but she didn't know what it was. She assumed that it was possible that he was using some kind of narcotics. Mm. And she refused to enter the room because she said she didn't want to invade his privacy. Can you imagine a Nigerian parent no. saying that in his own father's house? So then my brother opened up by himself that this thing is smelling something. She now said, oh, that she was going to you know that she thought. <laughs> and I just thought about it that what Nigerian parent would smell something that smells like narcotics and in would their not house? Kick down your and door. tell you that. <laughs> like, you know, so I appreciate that about her and I think that's because there's also, there has to be a balance because we don't want to be so afraid of doing the wrong things that yeah. you now just hide yourself. Because to be honest, for the longest time, I was afraid to be a parent because I was like, oh my God, like I don't want to ruin this child's life. But mm-hmm. I realized that 
it's just like how we approach everything else in life. We do our best. We give it to our yeah. best. We do the best that we know how. We keep growing. We keep, you know, doing better. And don't don't expect to be perfect. Your child will still have to un- they will still have to heal from some things you did because you're a human yeah. being. And to be honest, of course, it's okay. They can't sit down and blame you forever. At the end of the day, everybody do the best you know how, basically. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So that's one for me is you know I understand the power of words. I remember my my brother too took like there's a time um, because he and I were in the same class for you know a while and my mom made a comment that if you're not careful, Jola will soon pass you. And I think he just forgave her recently. <laughs> we're still in right. secondary school. Today. He just forgave her recently because like that's how sensitive you know that mm-hmm. a child can be. And I think as I think. Our le- lesson from this is that as a parent, you need to be very careful. There are careful people who do not say. like their siblings because they were compared yeah. constantly to mm-hmm. them and just hated them. Yeah. Like, so I think, yeah, is that we should be very careful. If we're talking now about doing better as parents, be very careful what you say to your children. Like, words are very, and this is the average child. Like so many people are just, are, are just their. I remember being told for the longest time that my voice was too loud and. Mm-hmm. I think it's just recently that I started speaking up for the, you know, for a very long time. I, I deliberately kept my voice low. So wow. these things that look like just innocent words here and there, they're actually very, you know, they, act, they can actually affect the child. They basically. They can. So I think for me, yeah, words were also like a huge, huge, anything else from you? Um, I was rolling something over in my head um, and I seem to have lost it. <laughs> <laughs> Since I'm not, I I hope I remember before we close before we round off, but I can't seem yeah. to I can't seem to remember it now. Remember, but maybe it's the thing about comparison that I just said I can't exactly say, but mm. I just feel like we you know tr- yes God I remember. So <laughs> you know this thing we say there was something someone said years ago and said that you tell kids not to ask questions. You know, you shut them down every now and then. And then when they are 20 upwards, you start wondering what is wrong with your society Mm. and why the upcoming generation are not bothered. And you said, why would they be bothered? You shut them down for two decades and you suddenly expect them to speak up. Mm. It just never happens. You know, and I think, and that thing like really struck me because, well, well, I was in the talker anyway, but it made me realize the importance of ensuring that children have a voice mm. and that they know they can be listened to. You know, because I, I was talking with a friend of mine, we were having some exchanges recently, and she said something around, it was months ago, and she said something around the lines of, not being able to see from for a long time in school and she kept failing mm-hmm. and her parents were really upset with her and stuff for a long time you know until they finally found out that it was because she couldn't see mm-hmm. so all she needed was glasses not extra lessons you know <laughs> And but because she couldn't talk, this, mm. this exactly this girl couldn't even say, I can't see the board, I can't really see stuff. And the moment they got on glasses, boom, everything changed. So, I, I think that 
we need we need we need not just to allow children to have a voice, but also to provide a platform where they can be heard. Because if parents show their kids that whatever you come to tell me, I am here to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, and not to even mm-hmm. shut you down or whatever, whatever, but first and foremost to hear you. So you know that even if it is bad, bad, bad. If I go and meet Mom C or Pop C and I say, yeah. Yo, this is what is going on, mm-hmm. uh, they might kill me, but they often. I mean, at least we'll figure it out together. You know, exactly. You get <laughs> we'll you this confidence. So, yeah, yeah. And, and I think maybe it helped me in a way. Somehow, um, I wasn't, I didn't really, go, I didn't necessarily go out of line. I was pretty disinterested in a whole lot of stuff that maybe my fellow teenagers felt excited about. But, it's you know I one I felt I could talk to my mom anyway, even if I couldn't like even if my dad was a totally different matter at that point in time, but I could like talk to my mom. So whatever it was, I could easily go to her and say, "This is what's going on." Blah 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 blah, and we'll find the way you get. Yeah. Because if the mom, I didn't, I don't want to see myself having issues that I would go outside for or go to the wrong place for. Because yeah. once you do that, it's a really slippery slope. And yeah, and I think I think that's what parents need to avoid. Because even you know, talking about sexual abuse that a lot of children go through. Thank you. Yes. I think it's a tragedy. I have friends who you know were abused by what house helps, abused by their mother's friend, mm-hmm. abused by their sister's friend, and till today their parents don't know. I think that that's a very big tragedy for your child to go through something that's traumatizing. Yes. And for you to have no idea and it's because you have not raised them to be able to come to you with anything mm-hmm. now, i heard michelle obama say that she never shuts her children down when they come to her something even if she's annoyed she'll calm down and reason it out with them and try to be because you will not want to get to a point where they can't talk to you like that's yeah. a thing because you can literally have a a serial killer in your house <laughs> and not know because because, because and that's the thing. Because when you shut your kids down every now and then, and they don't have a voice, yeah. they get very good at pretending. Yeah. So they will perform yeah. for you. They become very performative kids. Yeah. Not, okay, it's two things. They either become very performative, or they become very rebellious. Yeah. So you think yeah. that your child is actually legit good when yo, <laughs> you don't know that child at all, or yeah. you basically just think that child is a menace to society when. The child is just looking for one way to like looking for attention yeah. or something. Yeah. 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 I think something else for me is insisting that the child has to follow your path. Yeah. I think it's something that is a very terrible thing in yes. you know, in our culture is you know, because I grew up with brothers and I was the only mm-hmm. girl and obviously I was different. And yeah. But I was told, you know, you're a girl. This, this is not how girls behave. Mm-hmm. And that was just mild. Like, I remember, you know, when I was young and I was asked what I wanted to be in, in future. And I said, and everybody told me, no, 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 you have to be a doctor. You have to be a doctor. You understand? And basically making, and the problem is people have lost their individuality because yeah. everybody now wants to be something that my daddy said. Like, mm-hmm. I have a friend who, who studied up to PhD for a course he's never going to use for anything because he just wants to make his daddy happy. And you know how many years that is mortgaging all that time just Mm -hmm. to make somebody else happy. I know a family where the father 
he basically made everybody stay at home like four years after secondary school because he wanted them to study medicine. Mm. And if they were not getting admission for medicine, he was not going to let them go. So the ones who eventually went to uni, they had to trick him that they found one course and somehow they'll be able to become, they'll be able to transfer to medicine, medicine. which never happened, obviously. You know how those things work. Mm -hmm. All of them waited at least four years doing nothing because their father wanted them to study medicine, which is, like, studying medicine in Nigeria and working for medicine, I mean, how well are doctors even doing? Do you get, like, just from content creation, I know that I've made more money than a lot of people who are doctors and lawyers. And it's not just to boost. It's just yeah. to say that it's just this idea of these are the these are the professions that are unknowing. Do you understand? And so people are creating, even now people are creating income streams from like so many, you know, I know people talk about how they are freelancing and their mother doesn't doesn't respect them because they're working from home. You yeah. know? And I'm really, I'm really glad because my parents really did. I mean, I, I, I studied law in, in university and it wasn't because my parents were trying to say, this is what you are good at. My father just sat down and said, let's look at what are you, what have you been doing well in, in secondary school? Okay, literature, English, this, what's the best, do you understand? So it was a conversation. And even when I decided I wasn't going to practice law, that I wanted to do content creation after photography, there was no bashing that, what do you think you are doing? You are, you are a useless child, you get they supported yeah. me. They don't understand what I'm doing. They don't understand digital marketing or content creation. They don't know. They don't mm-hmm. understand it. But they, they know that they raised you know, a sensible child and that she's choosing a path for herself. And I don't think a lot of people have that. And I think that's something we need to do better is encourage our children to be curious, to find new paths. Because to be honest, traditional professions are going, like they're going extinct. Mm-hmm. They're going extinct eventually. And even the ones that are not going extinct, like if you're even going to be a doctor or a lawyer, it has to be something you love and you enjoy. It can't be because that's the only way to be successful. Because there's something my cousin said one time that the serious people are not making money anymore. Lawyers don't make the most money. Doctors don't make the most money. Do you no. understand? Like Kim, Kim Kardashian is richer than almost every lawyer I know. And you know what exactly is her job description? I think if you take the right attitude to anything you do, you will succeed at it. Yeah. So this whole decision that I have to force you to become, you know, what I want, I think that's something that needs to change. Basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, really does. It really does. And you spoke to a very I I I, I experienced it to an extent before I flipped. And so I wasted a year in science class because of this. Uh, because my dad simply felt like uh, my child must go to science class so he could either become a doctor or engineer. And all the time when I was in science class, I was spending most of my time in arts class with my friends. And <laughs> of course, I failed because I wasn't writing their exams. I was writing my exams. So I failed. And when I did feel, I still, they put me extra lessons and everything, wanted me to, you know, continue. Because, well, I didn't see anything for a while until something changed. Somebody was speaking to my sister about a course in international relations and everything, and I got excited. Like, obviously, it was not something I wanted to do. I didn't even know what I wanted to do then. But what they were talking about excited me more than the thought of being a doctor or engineer, you get. Yeah. And... At that point, I told my parents, I'm not doing sciences again. I'm going to arts. And we're like, no, why not go to commercial? Like, our students are not serious. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... <laughs> like, what do you mean of our students are not serious? Did you hear me? <laughs> I said, I'm going to ask, if I do this and I feel you guys can do whatever you want. 
And the truth is, since then, I don't, I've never failed an exam. No work, nothing, like nothing. Even if I like close my eyes and say, let me just do this paper. I have never failed. So it just, okay, and intelligence. No, intelligence not, day <laughs> get away. It's not, because, <laughs> it's, not, it's not as a result of brilliance. It was just one. I you wasn't were in the right place. Yeah, I was in the right were... place. I wasn't reading to pass. I was reading out of curiosity. Mm. You know, and there's this thing when you read out of curiosity, when you read to learn something. It just suddenly like becomes a part of you compared to when you mm-hmm. just read because you want to pass something or whatever, whatever. Yeah. So I was so curious about the things I was getting into. I was so interested and invested in them that every other thing just came naturally. Like I was in my zone. Right now, my my parents don't necessarily know where I work. They just know, mm-hmm. okay, one of the he works for a company owned by one of the richest men. Like they don't exactly know this is where. Like me, mm. if you ask them, they'll be like, I, I know it works in healthcare. <laughs> it works in healthcare, even though it's a writer, I can't exactly tell. <laughs> you know, it, it was yeah. different when I was working in a magazine when I was still like an active journalist and I was a an editor at some point and a field reporter. They knew because that was what I studied for. You get, but over yeah. time, even even your work as a journalist, you suddenly realize that you're more of a writer than a journalist, and yeah. then you can apply. I actually, your don't like being called a journalist. Thank you, like and you and you realize it's, you can apply very skills anywhere. Yeah, so you could apply your skills anywhere, and you suddenly find the home for yourself, and you're doing what you love and enjoy. So these days, you don't even bother with me. I think it was me that. I think I broke that circle, and then my sister, they wanted her to be a lawyer, blah, 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 blah. She studied English. She works in the same field as I do. My mm. brother also, like, okay, ended up in sociology. <laughs> you know, none of us, <laughs> at the end of the day, fulfilled the dreams of our parents regarding the professions that looked well, respectable. They're not missing anything. Whatever. But they're not missing low. anything. You yeah, get they're like these these kids are doing okay. They are fine. They are. I I think I probably saw the law thing coming. Like I never really liked law from day one. I'm like, it's so see it's against my spirit. I'm a very free spirit <laughs> person. I can't study law. I'll be like I'll probably be going to jail for contempt. <laughs> I'm not, not even with the way the Nigerian legal system is built. Like I found it very suffocating. That's exactly. why I didn't practice. Like I would never having to say the same, talking, having to say the same thing, the same. Uh, it, it was just very stressful. Like you can't even be, yeah. you can't even take initiative to write anything out of. It has to have the same phrases. It has to just you know. Right. So I think basically what we what we've concluded, you know, about parenting is that just allow yeah. your children be, trust their path. Study them, them, study their yeah, study their their strength and guide them. Don't assume that because they came to you, you have to tell them what to do, and they must do what you say. It's not a dictatorship, basically. You know? Yes. So, so yeah, I think that's that's generally that's our basically, general um, basically, consensus. Children are your that's our general yeah, consensus. I think we should stop seeing children as our properties. Yeah, they're not their gifts. Yeah, they are caretaker. Exactly. And you have to know that you will release them into the world at some point. Yeah. So you can't mm-hmm. exactly hold on or try to like be overbearing. They are a gift. They are, they are just custodians at some point. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I think I think understanding that is is I think that's that's the one thing. If you know that this child is, you know, it's just mine to understand and guide. It's not mine to. Yeah. It's not a, you know, I form you as I want. I'm the owner. You, you, I mean, how mm-hmm. was you know? And the thing again is that your child's going to be born in a different world than you. So obviously, they can't follow your footsteps. They can't be exactly, exactly. what you. Like anybody exactly. who's saying their child should still be a lawyer now, I mean, egg on their face because to be honest, <laughs> is it like it's not a good profession? It's just that like it has to be something you enjoy or else. I yeah. don't know how. Anyway, I think we should bring this to a close. We've been at this. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was an awesome conversation. I'm sure that you know, the people that everybody listening, you know, is going to enjoy this conversation and hopefully they don't come for us too much. Hopefully that we have some people <laughs> that both agree with come, us. They come for you. I'm not around. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully they won't tell us that's why it's real. you are still single. Because <laughs> they're not be- always the Exactly now, like the response. Of course, now. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you for doing this. Thanks, Yola. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. All right. Bye. Bye.